shoulder and welcome to the Story Hub podcast, helping you live smarter and be inspired by the journeys of successful Kiwi professionals. We believe you can learn from others' mistakes and achievements and that what is possible for your life is greater than you currently imagine. My name is Keith, your host and creator of the Story Hub. What would you say is the underlying theme in your life? It's not a simple question, but it sure is an important one. On this episode, we talk with Gavin Halley, who served in the New Zealand Defence Force, then worked his way up from the warehouse floor to becoming the New Zealand National Sales Manager for TRT, a family-owned heavy commercial truck and crane repairs and parts company. What's pretty cool is that I was about to publish this episode and I discovered that Gavin's now been promoted to the executive team at TRT and is the general manager of all sales. Gavin's journey can seem quite disjointed at first glance, but the core themes of hard work, thorough preparation and discipline have shaped his career. You'll hear from Gavin extremely practical sales advice about how to learn to deal with pressure and becoming decisive in a world of uncertainty. Enjoy an inspiring story with heaps of practical tips to improve your sales skills. I hope you're ready to learn. Let's jump into the third episode of the Story Hub podcast. Well, hey, Gavin, it's great to have you on the Story Hub podcast. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks, Kathan. Nice to uh, nice to be invited and to part of your project and your work. How about you tell our listeners today a little bit about your role, what you do, and like what's your company? Okay, so um, uh, I guess we'll get back into the military stuff. That was a long time ago now. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, once, once my wife and I decided that, um, because it's a team effort, um, decided that uh, we were going to move on, um, and I decided to move on from my career in the military, uh, uh, ended up coming back to the Waikato, originally following her career. Um, it was the, the burgeoning days of the internet. Was just starting out, and um, and uh, she ended up uh, doing graphic design and website design, and it was all crazy. And um, I took a temporary job um, <coughs> with a company called TRT um, twenty four years ago. Um, and at that time, the company had uh, had about forty staff, and um, and hey, it was uh, it was a few dollars in the pocket while I while we organised ourselves in the Waikato and. 24 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, my intentions ex, ex uh, the army was um, to to head into the police and make a career for myself. I, I don't know, I always had a, a sense of duty, I suppose, um, and to follow a career path that way. But, um, but I guess um, the company made a few strategic changes at that point um, that aligned with the time that I entered the business. Mm. Um, it was a family-owned business. They brought in an independent um, CEO um, who was a, a, a young um, high flyer from Trigon. And, uh, and I guess with that vision, um, that created opportunities. So I guess uh, without going into too much detail, I've held most positions in the business and I've been able to grow within the business. And uh, through the last 24 years, there have been uh, as we've gone through growth, su- significant growth and retraction and growth and retraction and growth again, um, <clears throat> you know, there's been a huge amount of challenges and opportunities um, to work my way through the business. Um, so I guess as we sit here now with about 250 staff, um, from when I joined, it's been a, a roller coaster. <laughs> Just a little bit bigger than the 40. That is 
So cool. And then like, so the thing I have with that, that sounds so crazy. So you're telling me you just jumped in from after the military and you're like, oh sweet, started in the business as a small pocket thing, right? Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I took a position in the warehouse. So I ran the warehouse and um, I hopped into the warehouse there on day one and went, wow, this place is a mess and swept everything out and threw everything out and all the old cardboard boxes, threw all them out and tidied up all the benches, everything else, and then all the all the things that we had to dispatch came out onto the dispatch bench in the afternoon and I realised I'd thrown out all the boxes. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was. Look, it was a, just a temporary job. It was just yeah. a temporary job that that hey provided some income um, while we while we organised what we were going to do back in the Waikato. Mm. That's, it, like, that's the thing though that's happened a couple of times in like some of the stories we've heard so far about those people that like the unexpected staying. And so I was like, I have to ask you, what actually got you to stay? Because that's like if it's just a thing that's <coughs> starting, what drew you in? So uh, the reality was, um, so I'll explain a little bit about the business. So we're Absolutely. in the heavy commercial transport game. Um, so we have a bunch of truck franchises. Um, so we distribute parts and service those vehicles. Um, we're predominantly an engineering company. Um, so we're heavily involved in cranes. Um, we distribute Manitoba, Grove, all of those. So we're the national distributor for those cranes. Yep. We're the national distributor for HIAB. Um, all, all of the cargo tech brands, so the, the knuckle boom mounted cranes that you see on back of delivery trucks, those types of things, and tail lifts that you see on box bodies. Um, and then we're also um, involved in some special projects. We're involved in defence. So I head up one of our defence projects um, a, amongst other defence projects that we're involved with. Um, so we're now a tier one uh, provider to Rymatel, who are the, the number one sort of uh, military contract um, player in Australasia well wow. um, and Europe uh, so and we manufacture and design specialized transportation solutions so heavy trailer very specialized heavy trailer so if you look at the hydraulic house removal trailers big platform trailers and we're talking multi-line things that you probably don't normally see on New Zealand roads We've got an Australian business and most of our manufacturing goes into Australia. Mm. So we've got 45 staff in Brisbane. Um, while all of our goods are manufactured in Hamilton, yep. um, they're exported over there and then, uh, you know, final touches, you know, ramps go on and they're commissioned there and then delivered to the customer. So mm. <clears throat> um, we get involved in other projects overseas. Um, yeah, the, the list is endless. We're a very diverse company, for better or for worse. <laughs> so we, we tend to never say no to anything and we dip our toes into things that we probably should have left alone as well. Yeah. So, but, um, but generally, um, having all of that variety of business units has stood us in good stead because you always find that, you know, one business unit might be having difficulty or might be down, but others will be up. So that diversification mm. across the company has generally stood us in good stead and allowed us to to grow and 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 bring people along on that journey. Yeah, for sure. And so that sounds absolutely fascinating, but I love <coughs> what we've just done. So you went from the warehouse to now national sales manager. It's not generally a natural progression. No, it's um, not. In a lot of the careers. So like, 
So, so I wasn't going to stay in the warehouse. As So after about 12 months, um, I was going through, it wasn't really, you know, coming out of the military and having a pretty intense role in the military to to, to looking after a warehouse. Um, I was in the warehouse for about six months and then got seconded into sales. Um, and to be fair, you know, when I came into the trucking game um, or the manufacturing sector, the only good thing about a truck that I knew was meant that I didn't have to to hump my pack down the road. You know, I could jump on the back and it would give me a lift. So uh, <laughs> coming from coming from that environment, so I really didn't know anything about it, yep. but I, I learned pretty quick. I, I do I do think that I adapt to to things pretty quickly and 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 put my best foot forward. So basically, my path through the business has been. Um, uh, I spent a very short period in in um, uh, in the warehouse, and then got seconded into sales. Um, I, I didn't think that this was a viable career path for me at the time. Mm. I applied for the police, got accepted, was just about to resign when the independent CEO sort of pulled me aside and said, "Look, this is what we've got planned. This is where we're going. What do you think? Do you want to be part of that?" <clears throat> so I parked the police for for twelve months. And uh, I guess from there I went into inventory and inventory management, then back into sales. Um, and then uh, I did some training. So I, I, while we had little kids, I spent lots of time at night um, doing a diploma of business. Um, and some of that was related around industry as well, um, or our particular sector of industry. Um, and then really... Uh, I guess what stopped me from the police was I I, I saw a window opening up mm. and I got to know the industry a little bit more and understood that I could perhaps do well for myself in this sector. And I guess that's one of the things that we have the most trouble with in our industry as a whole. You know, people look at trucks and they go, oh, what would I ever want to be involved with those in? I mean, the reality is that everything that you've got here today Everything that you're wearing came on a truck in one, some shape or form. Yeah. Trains don't mm. go to the supermarket. <laughs> yeah. and customer services team, we're, and, and we have a, 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 a people on the road. Yeah. Uh, that, that just our people at the sharp end that are kicking down doors and, and, and winning the business. And we have a bunch of them. We run the most active rep program um, in the country. Mm. Uh, I think I've got. 12 people on the road now full-time, um, and I think when I went on the road, we had three. Um, so, mm, so it wasn't always like that? No, absolutely not. No, no, no. So I've been off campaign pretty hard to grow that business, but mm. I guess we'll get into that. But um, So I went on the road, and, and I sort of created my own job on the road. Um, I went to one of the senior guys. I said, look, we're not doing this, and we're not doing that, and give me your keys, and I'll take off for a couple of days a week, and I'll, I'll – I'm going to go and smash that business. And I guess that's where the, the trigger sort of flicked with me. I'm, I'm a very competitive person. Yeah. And so I just transferred my competitive interests and, well, not physical anymore, mm. um, like I was through my sports at school and in the military, just turned that into numbers. Mm. And, and numbers tell the story on everything. Yeah. Um, certainly in the position that I'm in now. But, uh, <clears throat> and so, um, hooned around the country trying to pick all the low, low hanging fruit that I could. And, and, um, I guess back then I was, 
younger than I am now, and I was pretty ruthless in in what I was doing, and and some of some of that at times has come back to create, you know, obstacles for me in the future as well. Mm. So I guess the the lessons out of that is while I was tearing around, grabbing opportunities everywhere that I could, and upsetting local agents in their area by crossing territories and that sort of stuff. Um, uh, you know, as our company grew and 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 you know, my, through decisions that I've made, growing the business and that sort of stuff down the track, where I've had to forge relationships with these people that I upset 15 years ago by uh. going into their territories and pinching their customers. Um, you know, I've had to I've had to rebuild some of those relationships along the way. So it's not all it's not all beer and skittles. Mm, mm. Interesting. So like, I think you've mentioned a couple of times now already about the army and that competitiveness. I'd love to understand a bit more about what was your role in the army? Like, where did you start with that all? And like, how has that like influenced your life in the start of it? So um, leaving school, I always had a sense of I don't know where it comes from. Um, I mean, we do have military running through our family, but not we're not, you know, great. You know, well, I haven't got majors or, you know, that sort of stuff in the major generals or anything like yeah, that in our yeah, history, yeah. but there is a, a line there. And I just had a real sense of duty when I left school to, to do something, to get into something that had a, a, a viable career path that I guess not so – I wasn't – I didn't think I was academic, yep. right? There were too many distractions at school for me. Um, sport and then, you know, the obvious girls and, you know, and then obviously, you know, having a good time on the weekends. So, yeah. um, you know, that was that was all a priority for me. Um, and I, I, I got through school. I did what I had to do. Um, but that said... You know, my family wasn't um, super academic and we didn't have a lot of people that had been through uni in the background and yeah. and that sort of stuff. So um, I guess there was no expectation or anything else. Mm. Um, what I learned later in life was entirely different. But but uh, so, yeah, so, you know, chose the Army. Actually, I applied for the Navy as a marine engineer and they only take like two a year. I missed out and I went, right, I'll show them. I'll join the Army. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the reality was the army was an absolute perfect fit for me at yeah. that time. So I joined the army at eighteen, and I guess prior to prior to that, I was heavily involved in shooting and hunting and uh, outdoor adventures. I mean, right through school, I was in scouts and camping and building huts and all that good stuff that yeah. you know you and Campbell enjoyed, Kathan. You know, when you were younger, so. Um, it was a natural fit. The army was a, a natural fit. I was always physical. I was always involved in sports mm. and very competitive in sports. Not topping competitive, but I made rep hockey and cycled for Hamilton. And yeah. I changed things regularly. You know, surfing was a part time and all that sort of stuff. But th- throw my hand at anything. Joined the army and hated it. So I guess basic training was a real culture shock. The only thing that kept me in basic was uh, was the fact that, uh, hey, I can't go back to Hamilton and go, oh, no, I couldn't handle it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it wasn't that. I just It was just such a culture change. So it wasn't the fact that I couldn't do the work or anything like that. It was just – and our intake was had a horrific dropout rate. <laughs> I, think, I think numbers were something like 65 marched in and I think it was about 20 marched out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was horrendous. And that was – you know, I, I guess we're going back a long time now. You know, uh, it's that 
32 years. Yeah. Um, it was it was a tough environment. Yeah. What was the shock, like the main shocks that you had? Oh, just the discipline. Um, uh, and and everything was hard. Everything was difficult. It was relentless. There was no second chance or whatever, you know. Um, so it was you fight hard and you'll get through. And if you don't, you won't. Mm. So, look, th- it's different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the better, probably. Yeah. I didn't think so at the time that I left, but probably for the better because retention was a real issue in the in the forces when I left. So, so I guess very quickly through the military, um, got down into core training at 2nd 1st Battalion um, down in Burnham there and uh, had a ball. Yeah. This is what it's about. Right, I'm um, going in the bush and, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, do exercises and practice our trade and, you know, do all the fun stuff, you know. Uh, and so that that was really good. Um, spent a, a, came back to 1st Battalion in Palmerston North um, and and then the, the deployments start. You start getting a lot of time overseas and, yep. you know, a lot of exercises overseas and, you know, we spent a lot of time in Asia and Malaysia and, and um, and Singapore and that sort of stuff, we, you know, so... Um, went through, spent spent some time in Charlie Company. It was great. Um, and first battalion there uh, went into signals um, for a while. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of communications, but aligned with first battalion, and then went into reconnaissance. Yeah. Um, and that was the job that I loved. So uh, we would um, in reconnaissance uh, we'd be a four man patrol. Um, when I left the army, I was a um, you know, I had my own detachment um, and we we were the eyes and the ears. So if the battalion was going anywhere or a company was going anywhere, we'd go first and uh, we'd operate beyond everyone else and we would, the information that we gained and and the intelligence that we fed back to, to who we needed to report to influenced um, influenced the, the overall decisions. And I guess that's, part of what I enjoy today in my role mm. is I like I, I have a, a need to be at the table I have a need to understand all the elements of the situation and be involved in all decisions um, that's part of what drives me today yeah the fact that I can influence the direction of the business and um, and that that drove me in reconnaissance in the military as well yeah for sure it's not not knowing exactly like the easy job no, either. Not that any job in the army is easy, but like. No, look, incredibly difficult. You know, I guess sitting here now, you know, I've, I've been out for 24 years um, and you remember all the good stuff. You forget all the bad stuff. You forget the, you know, having eaten for a couple of days and the you're wet through and freezing and, you know, for, for weeks on end and all the, all the misery. You forget all that stuff. You remember the good stuff, mm. and the good stuff was the the relationships that you built, the adventures that you had, the travel, um, you know, and a lot of character building situations. Yeah. Um, what would be an example of that if we? Well, you have to make decisions, um, and it, it wasn't until I left the military that I realised the vast majority of people in business have difficulty making decisions. Um, it's certainly coming through the the lower the lower management positions. Lots of people find it difficult to make decisions. In the army, you don't have a choice. Mm. You have to make a decision, and that's yeah. I, I guess that's a key part 
um, of the leadership strategies that I employ in business have come from that. You know, the the core of that understanding comes from that. So when there's a decision to be made, obviously you can be a, I can have the rank on my arm and I can say, you go and do this because, you know, I'm senior to you and just go and do it because I said. Yeah. You know, that's one style of leadership, right, very authoritative. Um, but I heavily employ collaborative styles of leadership. Yeah. So if there's a job to be done, I'll be given my instructions or I'll know what the job is. Mm. Um, I'll already make my plans, but then I'll pull all my senior people together and I'll get their input and they'll all have their opportunity to to say or influence that decision. And there, there'll be elements that I'll take out of that and elements that I just won't even consider. But then I'll make a decision and I'll deliver that plan. Mm. And that creates buy-in. Yeah. So, and... The, because everyone's had the opportunity to have their say whether their ideas have been taken up or they haven't, at the end of the day I've made a decision a decision, and um, I've delivered um, the instructions and the information that they require to, to fulfil their objectives mm. um, in a manner that they have a clear understanding what those exact objectives are. Yeah. Mm, that clarity, I guess, and the fact that they actually feel like they did input Absolutely, they have to. Um, and if it, I guess if you don't do that and you just go out and say, this is what we've got to do, go do it, um, you don't have that buy-in. You have to have buy-in. Um, and that also creates, uh, when you are, when you over time, as you bring people through the business, and I've brought people in the bottom end that are now senior people to me that are, you know, you have your, your, your senior element or your go-to people that are part of your you know, your circle of trust, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I've taken great pleasure in bringing those people through the business and seeing them be successful and allow and, and being a part of their journey and their growth mm. in this business. Um, but they also, in turn, absolutely 100% have my back. Yeah. So there's a, a great sense of loyalty um, in that. And, uh, you know... You're in it together. You're mm. only as strong as the people that you have around you. Yeah. Interesting. Because I guess, especially from a humble undergraduate, not ever been in the army opinion, it sounds like from all the movies, like you'd see the that barking sergeant thing as a stereotype. So like, was that natural for you to suddenly go, sweet, let's be collaborative? Did your teams find that weird that you even did that? Like, how did you build up to it? No, oh, look, there was, like, people made the choice. You could be that, you could be that barking, you know, these are my orders and do as I say type of person or not, you know, and there was a time for it. There's a time that you actually had to be that person. Mm. So you had to, you have to change and adapt to the situation that's at hand. You know, you know, if you're in the thick of it and the chips are down, then you have to be that person because people have to know right here and now to do that, yeah. right? But I guess in the planning stages, and the preparation stages and everything else, and there's no difference from that. There's well, not a lot of difference from that to what I do today. Mm. Um, and the and the planning and the preparation, you need to be meticulous, and you need to dot your eyes and cross your t's, and make sure that you've thought of all of the different influences and and um, um, any any problems or that that may occur. And if you've ruled all of those out. Um, then 
when it comes to execute your plans, hopefully it's a little bit easier. Mm. Interesting. <clears throat> it's, yeah, I find it fascinating, the whole idea around the army, because yeah, like you've said, all of it's actually flowing into real clear behaviours yep. that you've actually learnt there. Um, for those who haven't had the experience in the army of developing these like this decision making on the like point where we've going, okay, you just have to do it. Like you're saying how lower managers often struggle with that now when you've noticed in business. For those people not experienced that absolute intense discipline, how can we really develop that? Because it is such a key skill. It's not like, oh, this could be a good idea. No, this is actually this will be a key success factor people want to grow. And so how would you recommend us who haven't actually had that experience in the army developing that? Um, so don't believe everything you see in the movies, Kathan. I guess yep. you've made that comment before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watch movies, well, most war movies, and get frustrated with them. But um, <laughs> the, the uh, I guess, developing that, it does come with time. I guess the surrounding yourself with good people. There's some people that you meet in life that you understand straight away. They've mm. got it. You know, that's someone that... I'd like to get to know better. And I've done that through this industry. So um, everyone starts, I guess, coming out of university um, and, and entering the business sector. Get involved in everything that you can. So if you want to learn that, you know, through the time in the business, I've put my hand up for every industry forum. I've attended every conference that I can um, if it's related to my sectors. Mm. Um, I, I put myself out there as much as I can. I've met some incredibly talented people along the way and people that have that have been unbelievably successful, that have started with the, they've started as a truck driver and now they've got fleets of several hundred vehicles. And what you don't understand is you see a you know you, you see a truck driving down the road with a five axle trailer behind it. Okay, that's the best part of a $600,000 investment. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, right? <laughs> so, and I guess by getting to know these people and understanding them and talking to them and putting yourself out there as much as you can, you you get to understand the customer and you get to understand the customer's business. When it comes to leadership, I guess all I can say is that do as much training as you can. Mm. Um Get involved in those industry forums. Um, talk to the business owners that have that have come through the hard way, um, uh, you know, and 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 not done it through because um, there's an element of family money as well. Yeah, you know, and you know, we're we're in a stage now where a lot of people that have started these companies, you know, they're moving on to their their um, their sons and daughters who are moving through the business, and you know, uh, they haven't. I guess most of them are very good, but some of them haven't haven't come through from the grassroots and 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 you know done that graft all the way through. So my suggestion would be get involved in the industry as much as you can. Get involved yep. in the industry forums. Um, you know, get. I'm I'm not as good in the social media round. Yes, I have a LinkedIn account and all that sort of stuff, and under duress almost <laughs> um, because I am very much a get in front of the person. Yeah. Um, press the flesh. Um, um, kick the door down and 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 demand their business, mm. and don't ever, don't ever, you know this is where the competitive nature comes out. Demand their business, do your homework on them, understand their makeup, understand um, what makes them tick, 
um, and uh, and understand the opportunity, and then go in and say, "You need to deal with us because of this," and this is what I'm going to do. This yeah. is how I'm going to increase your profits. This is the difference I'm going to make to your bottom line. You know, so. Mm. So what he's saying is surround yourselves with those people who are known to at least have gone through the hard yards they've developed and then you learn off them. Yep. And then as well as just go absolutely make sure you throw yourself everything to learn. Yep. Mm. For the sales then, like to go off that, you've, you've, I think it's yes, natural. We have to ask some tips on that because I don't think actually it's a – Thing, it's definitely not taught at university, for sure. Like, I'm, no, look, it, and look, I'm a, I'm a. Look, I've done all of the theory. Um, I've done course on course on course on course on course. At the end of the day, I'm a hustler. I'm a street fighter, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, again, it's that. You just re- relate. Same as being on the on the sports field, you know, you you got to understand how to get that ball over the line. You know, you got to understand how to keep that, keep the scoreboard ticking over, and and keep ahead of the game, mm. right? So, um, I guess a big part of what what I do, or, or the, certainly the sales path that I had, I've seen all of those elements. So now, in a senior management position, um, I can apply my experience, um, having been with the same company for the length of time that I have. Um, uh, and being in all of those roles, especially those roles on the road, because that's our eyes and ears, right? That's yeah. our reconnaissance, I mm. guess. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and um, that provides all the information. But really, it's getting it's getting out there. And again, going back to the customer, you identify. So you you identify the people who are your biggest opportunities. You identify all the people who are your opportunities. And, and you align them with the products that you have to offer, yeah. right? And so because we're, <clears throat> we're massively diverse, there's always multiple things, lots and lots and lots of things that we can provide a solution to that customer for. But if you're talking about a Conquest account or an account that you don't have now that you want, you don't go in there and offer them everything. Yeah. You go in there and offer them the, the two or three most competitive things that you have that would make a difference to their business, that you mm. know that you have the competitive edge over your competition. And you put that in front of them and they'll beat you away and you put that in front of them and you start building the relationship and you start the conversation and you just keep tapping away there. And then eventually something will go wrong with their current their incumbent and you'll get an opportunity. And that's when you close and you make sure that you do it right. Because mm. after that, when they when they build their trust in you and you realize you're going to deliver what you what you said you were going to deliver, then all the rest of it comes online. Yeah. Mm. So I already <coughs> like that. Um, I love how you said like that once they say no, go back. I'd love to get some practical tips for us on that. Like, okay, so say if you've got this awesome client, you know you really want them and you're like, you've come with your first, like you, like you said, the two or three things that you know we've got the competitive edge and they're like, no. How do you approach them the second time? Because I know there's a lot of, especially in the day of social media marketing, there's that like cut and paste sales stuff. And I don't know about you, but I just get driven nuts um, from this. How do you actually make that something that they're like, oh, okay, even though I've seen this guy 
Three times already, he's driving me a little bit crazy. How do we actually push it across the line? Okay, so people deal with people, right? They, they don't deal with emails or, you know, social media advertising or whatever. Mm. Now, that has its place. Yeah. Absolutely it has its place. But people deal with people. And what I was saying before about the industry forums and the conferences and all of that, those the reason why I put my hand up for every single one of those and spend the time away, although I don't anymore post-COVID, um, that I do is because that's another opportunity in a different environment to get in front of these people. So when you yeah. do get that opportunity to get in front of them and it's a, and it, it is a sales meeting or presentation or whatever it is around the opportunity that you want to deliver <clears throat> and you're asking how you get in front of them again, you secure that at the end of that meeting. Yeah. Right? So you say, hey, look, okay, if I address that in six months' time or we review it in six months' time mm. and, you know, and, and the other, don't don't be scared to ask why. You know, when the customer bats you away and goes, hey, look, great presentation, great products, all that, but at this time I'm not interested, don't be scared to say why. You know, hey, mm. look, for the future, you know, on, on the basis that you're going to give me some time in six months and, and that, is there anything that anything particular that stands out to you or, or that you feel isn't the right fit at the moment? Um, you know, anything about the product that you that you know, what are the reasons? Yeah. Don't don't be scared to go back and ask why. Mm. I guess it's that old sport adage like of a loss <clears throat> is more valuable to learn than a win. Absolutely. In some ways. And in this and, and in the same strength, you know, I've seen it so many times in this game where people will run down their competitors. You know, I'll, I'll actually, you know, a lot of times in meetings, if, especially if it's if they haven't done anything wrong, you know, um, you know, there's one particular product that I deal with, and quite often I'll open the meeting by, hey, look, I understand you, you know, you use their brand or their product or whatever, and that's great. They've done a really good job, you know. Understand that, and I understand that the penetration in your fleet's like 80% with that product. Hey, that's great. They've done a good job, and they've earned their place in the industry, you know, in this particular sector. You know, but I've got this to show you, mm. and this is going to do it differently, and this is going to create some value. There's a cost to change, and we can make sure that you're going to have some additional profit out of it. Yeah. So, you know, some people will straight away attack their competitors. There's another way of doing it. And sometimes mm. there's a place for attacking your competitors. And especially if they do have industry issues and they have had massive failure rates or safety, because we deal with safety. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you know, you know, no one wants to see a truck fall on mum and dad and the kids going on holiday, you know? No. So um, yeah, horses for courses. Understand your customer. Mm. <clears throat> Can we go drill a little bit deeper on that and ask, like, so how do you really get to know them? Like, is it starting with the conferences, but is there anything even before that? So that stra strategically, you look at the, the vehicle park um, for us. Yep, yep. So if it's, if, so if it's a, the parts and service game, you look at the vehicle park, so you understand the fleet makeup and what the brands are and what your opportunity is within those brands, mm. right? And then you'll understand, look at their fleet and look at their people. So you qualify their people, understand who the decision makers are in their business. And this is... And, and so we have a multiple, you know, we have multiple approaches and contacts with those businesses. Uh, so I'll have the rep that's doing his, his, his monthly, weekly, daily call cycles 
you know, and they're dealing with the, the the leading hands or the workshop managers and all that sort of stuff, all the daily bang, 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 we're feeding stuff into them all day and every day. And generally I'll deal with the business owners. Yeah. So I'll have that relationship and been in, in, in this business for a long time, a lot of those relationships are pre-existing. And, mm, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've got great customers that were owner drivers. You know, they had one or two trucks. Now they've got a fleet of 60 trucks, mm. you know. And, wow. you know, <laughs> so I, I, I guess time in this business and being able to grow in the business has helped me um, uh, build those relationships. But you've got to have multiple co- points of contact. Mm. Yep. Un- understand who qualify all the decision makers in the business. Understand their makeup and their requirement. Mm. This is all stuff that's done before you even make the phone call. Yeah, yeah. You know, the planning. To, to set up the first meeting. But people deal with people. Mm. You've got to put yourself in front of them. Now, that may sound a bit old school and there's all, all sorts of, um, uh, you know, different ways of approaching that today with technology. But in our game, I firmly believe you've got to front up. You've got to kick the door down. You've got to get yourself in front of them. Because, and when I say people deal with people, People will deal with the person before they'll deal with the business. Yeah. The business has all of the, the products and all those sorts of things, mm, but there has to be that element of trust. And they have to know that in our game, when the chips are down, that that my guys and myself it extends right through. We're going to answer our phones and, and we're going to sort the issue. Yeah. Um, because unlike a, a, a general – our phone when, when the phone calls go – when the phone rings, it's because something's in our game. It's because something's broken. Yeah. And if something's broken, it's not moving. And if it's not moving, they're not making any money. Yeah. So that's how we sell. Yeah. On the engineering side, we sell solutions. Mm. Is there anything that would differ between that for the um, solution side and more of the product base that you would do when you approach sales? Absolutely. So, um, so our engineering solutions—that's um, generally people that come to us that are thinking outside of the square. They want to do something different. Hey, they've got this idea, and if I configured a trailer this way, I might be able to get three pieces of plant on it as opposed to the two, which is the way we regularly do it. Mm. Can you do it? You know, we've got a bunch of uh, you know design engineers through the wall here um, that are that are very um, you know. They're expensive people, and um, but they're at the top of the game, and we provide solutions to industry. So there's lots of, you know, I, I, if, if you go through the company's history and that, we've we've been innovators all the way through. No different to a project that I'm dealing with in Sweden at the moment, where we've delivered something that hasn't been delivered in the world before. Mm. You know, <laughs> we're just thinking outside the square, Kiwi number eight wire, whatever you want to, yeah, whatever you want to call it. You know, yeah. you go, hey. There's an opportunity, oh, but people don't do that. Well, we might be able to. Let's give it a crack. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Mm, I like it. Just seizing the opportunity <clears throat> that's in front of you. Yep. Um, I have to go back to something you said. I think I'm about the multiple points of contact. How have you been able to maintain that unity? Because I guess that's something, if you do it well, it's amazing. But if there's this thing where like everyone are tripping over what each other have said that can be really bad so how have you maintained that sense of unity within the team so we're, we're fortunate in the fact that we have critical mass so um our competitors generally we're one of the biggest 
past distributors in the country um, in that sector. And so it, it's developing people. Um, and so the longer people are in the business, the more they understand the business and the more buy and I guess the team unity, that sort of stuff. So we'll start someone in the warehouse and, and they might show some potential. Um, and in that case, we'll bring them through to the back counter. Now, the back counter is where we service our own workshops and engineering, and that's where they understand the programs and the products and everything else, And but start coming into that, being part of that sales team. And yep. if, the, if, if they take the opportunities to put in front of them, they mm. take the training and they prove themselves and, and they show that they've got talent, they'll eventually get promoted into customer services in a, in a, in a sales role there. Mm. And if they excel in that role, they'll get promoted into being a, a territory manager or a rep on the road. And then they'll come back into middle management. And then, you know, generally the path that I've taken in the business, that's open to everyone. Yeah. And, and I certainly want to employ people that are going to be knocking on my door, challenging me in every way, shape or form. Um, there's lots of people out there that, or, you know, I'm a bit protective of my game and what I know and I'm not going to share all of that. Man, the more that my people know about what I do, um, and the more that they're going to challenge me in my thinking, the better. Yeah. Mm. So that open communication actually provides that opportunity, one, to buy in with unity because you actually do believe you got everyone else's <coughs> back. Yep. But as well as it actually benefits the business on the whole because if that one does well, the whole team does well, I guess. Absolutely. And for better or for worse, um, again, we distribute all our sales numbers. Yeah. So from the new person in the warehouse um, to my most senior sales staff and management, um, they see all the numbers. They don't see the P&L or the level of the P&L, but they see the raw numbers. They know what we've sold for the month, what in, in what category and all mm. of that. And I guess the communication that I put out is everyone knows what the objective is. Everyone knows what the budget is. Everyone knows what, what these core product units need to achieve per month, per day, per week, mm. um, and and just get out there and, and, and smack it, you know? So mm. obviously I've had to redress that in the last couple of months, but <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, as for that actually, <clears throat> how have you adjusted and how are you predicting you will need to adjust in a post-COVID world where this pandemic's just come on, sweeped a whole lot of things, and you're saying like you've got business in Sweden and Australia it's not like we're in New Zealand and we're in this nice little national bubble where we're kind of free apart from international travellers coming in we're isolating them like how do you <clears> think <throat> it's going to change the sales game especially when that being in front of the person is such a critical way so I guess in um, in some of your questions that you put to me um, before the podcast Kathan was what are what are the most significant challenges that yeah. that you've ever faced, right? So forget the military. You know, there were lots of challenges there and they're just challenges and you deal with them head on. You know, the most challenging time I've ever had in my life to this date has been COVID. Mm. You know, there's there's when you've got to make I guess when when the country locked down, we were an essential service. You know, the truck still had to keep rolling. Yep. Supermarket still had to get supplied. So our critical service functions and parts support functions um, uh, were, were, were operating, but in a limited capacity. 
um, only to the point that we had. So none of us, there was no rule book, no playbook, nothing. No one's ever been through a, a pandemic like what we're in at the moment. Mm. And from my perspective, you know, I own a lot of people. There's a lot of people that rely on the decisions that we make. And, you know, what I guess one of the things that I sort of keep at the forefront of my mind is what got us here ain't going to get us there yeah. because the world's changed. So uh, I, I can honestly say, you know, lots of people in lockdown uh, had a great time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, I've never worked harder in my life and, and you know, I've always uh, taken pride in having myself together um, and been on top of my game. Mm. You know, I own my stuff. Yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. You know, for lack of better words. Um, but I, I personally found it incredibly challenging. I, mm. I, all the rules were thrown out the window. Um, the budget's gone. Um, and we're having to make decisions, and the executive were very supportive. So the owners of the business and the executive were very supportive, but we had to make some really, really tough decisions. And what what I found most difficult was the crystal ball element. You know, we didn't know what we didn't know, and we were I was I was cutting budgets every other day. You know, because every day in that in that in lockdown, you know, it would be another day of sales at a level that was under that environment. We didn't know mm. how long that environment was going to last for. We didn't know. So we were having to make decisions based on the here and now, not history, which is what I've always written budgets on. Yeah. History and opportunity and product elements, all those other things that come into it, they're all tangible things that you can measure in a, in a world that's cracking along. But when everything's thrown out the window and it's such a dramatic change like that, um, I found that incredibly difficult. I got the job done and we made the decisions. Yeah. And But, you know, some of those decisions, um, there's only so much you can cut out of your travel. There's only so much you can cut out of your, um, you know, your vehicles and your training and everything else. When you chop the budget to bits like that and your sales numbers, you know, are millions of dollars down per month as opposed to what they were, then... In the interests of the business, unfortunately, you did. We did have to make decisions around headcount. Mm. It's your biggest cost, and and you know uh, that was the difficult element, incredibly difficult. Yeah, it's not something you take lightly. No, no. So when, and when you're talking skills matrices and having to make, you know, had to make some real tough decisions, and some of those people you had lengthy relationships with, mm. um, but. I guess you had to step outside of all of that and and you had to put yourself in a different place and look at the business purely from with an analytical view and based on uh, based on what's going to be best for us going forward and what's going to get us out of this. And we had to, I guess the first thing you have to do is you have to retain your IP and your IP are those, those key people that are the highest performers. Yeah, and that have put their hand up the whole way along, right? Mm. And so that you've got to keep as many of them as you possibly can. Yeah, um, and and then you've got to work your way through everything else past that. Mm. What would be some of those <clears throat> attitudes and behaviours that you've had to adopt 
to even get through something like that because it is one of those things which I think this word's been so overdone but unprecedented <laughs> times and like how what have you had to change to get through it um so apart from my uh, wife moving out and moving into the spare room at the other end of the house um because there was a lot of sleepless nights you know and I guess I'm dealing in different time zones as well so some of our offshore projects um, I sort of hit up, so I'm directly involved in that at the at the sharp end. Um, so it was personally what I had to do is I had to make sure that I trained. So I took it back to the physical and I made sure that I tried to do a workout every single day. Mm. And I tried to simplify my life around work. Yeah. Um, you know, it was death by Zoom meetings. Um, it was you know, just issue upon issue upon issue. But I tried to simplify as much of the other stuff that I could. So I made sure that I was doing my best to look after my physical being. And to me, I've always got benefits out of training. Yeah. So if I can exercise, then that has a direct benefit to me in my mental capacity and my feel-good capacity. But mm. that, that's me. I've, a, you know, I've always done active physical things, so I've got to get that right. Yeah. Um, and then I tried to I tried to um, tried to make sure that I was eating the right things. Yeah. Um, and so just look after my physical being um, as much as I could. So I guess that doesn't really answer it from a, a mental capacity type thing. But look after those basic elements, right? Yeah, yeah. And and then obviously the the next thing that I really struggled with was the was the sleep because you're stressed out. And uh, and uh, so you know remove the remove the digital um, and, uh, and and try and work set hours. Mm. Um, wasn't always achievable, but, yeah, I just got through. Mm. I guess I, I actually like that because I think it's one of those things you, you keep the basics because those are the things. It doesn't matter if we're in crisis or anything. They keep you alive and well and strong mentally even because it does give you time to, like, clear your head. Yeah, and look, one th- one thing I must actually, I've, I've got a note here that um, have as you go through business, there will be people that you'll meet that to you, um, uh, you'll you'll always have the most respect for them. You know, for, to you uh, as a person, they are you put them up on a pedestal and you see them as as, as great leaders and and mentors, and you keep contact with those people. Mm, yeah, there's about three of them that I've met in my life um, that I absolutely put up there as, you know, industry leaders, um, top characters, um, and I guess I use them to affect during that period and still do. And and their advice, you know, when I was having to make the toughest decisions and listening to their experiences. Um, you know, while I'm having to make those decisions, you know, giving them a call, um, teeing up a Zoom meeting, whatever, uh, listening to their experiences made, I guess you needed you needed someone to say, hey, you're on the right path, you're making the right decisions, you're looking for that support outside of the, you know, your, your regular co-workers and, mm. and the likes. And I found that to be actually a, a bit of a game changer personally. Yeah, um, because it can be lonely. Um, you know, I, I, 
that was one of those situations where I couldn't pull all my leaders that I normally would together and make a collective decision. I had to make decisions myself because yeah. some of them were affected. Um, so that's mm. where you need have mentors outside of the business, have other people that you can talk to that you trust and and have the experience um, because you'll need to call on it one day. Yeah. Mm, for sure. And like we're actually linked to the show notes, um, our podcast <coughs> with Celia when she talks about how to find those mentors a lot because I think it's so good. Like anything on that for yourself about like what made you decide these people in particular were – um, like worth really learning from? Oh, well, if you've got to know them, if you've got to know them, you know their history. And I guess some of, some of that friendship or respect builds out of that through the conversations that you've had and the time spent with them. Mm. You know, it might be over a beer or at a function or whatever. Um, you know, you... you and it's... I won't, I won't say it's a conscious thing. Some of it is subconscious. Yeah. You just... Get to know them and get to respect them, and um, just a connection. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, look, I'll put your dad in that character. You know, the the, I guess the way that we communicate, going to or from a surf or whatever. You know, I value the things that 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 he says, mm. and there's little snippets that I'll just grab out of that, and I'll go, hey, I can apply that in this situation or whatever. You know. Yeah. But. That's sort of how my brain works. I am mm. always thinking about what I can use, where, why, and how, and yeah, yeah. and will that be a value? So mm. that's really good. I think it's what I love. What you said is actually you're just given everyone permission of going, "Hey, actually, this is tough," <laughs> but the basics is so important. And I like it's almost going, "Hey, you're allowed to feel stressed, but you're not allowed to freak out." <laughs> and that, and that's that's a really good point. Kathan, because, man, for the first couple of weeks, I was just like, I am absolutely freaking out here. I'm not sure. And I'd never have said this before. Yeah, yeah. You know, pre-COVID, there's no way I would be having this conversation. Mm. But I was super stressed, freaking out internally, but externally, absolutely on top of my game. Yeah. And, every, and and I've had so many comments from from, you know, from people that have come through just said, man, you're exceptional through the whole thing. Mm. Now, that's not me saying that I am. I wasn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Internally, I was, I was super stressed. And, and you know, I've always been a planner. Yeah. I've always thought ahead. I've always used every piece of element, every piece of information that I can gain to, to, to support my thinking and my decisions and and – uh, and been across them and made those decisions with confidence knowing that I'd done everything that I could. And COVID just threw all that out the one day. Yeah. Because there, because there was no rule book and there was no, you know, yeah. I, I personally, personally, I think I've come out of it as a, as a much better person. Mm. But far out. Paid a price for that. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you said though, because <coughs> you you haven't actually. Yes, it's the you seemed calm and collected outside to your um like the people that you employ, but at the same time, you were still confiding confiding in the mentors because it actually gives you a space to feel safe and go. Actually, goes I have no idea, and so I like that because it's not just the strong man of going. Oh, I know everything. It was actually no, you're being calm to give that non anxious presence for the people you follow, but at the same time, you are still learning and you still have that place where you can, like, have that help 
and relax. And because you're doing the basics, you can still <clears throat> chill. Absolutely. I was, I was conscious of the fact that, you know, all of my people were freaking out. Mm. You know, obviously we had to go through consultation and there were going to be some decisions made. And I needed to make sure that on those Zoom meetings and in those meetings that we, we did have, you know, post-level four, um, that that everyone saw the confident, um, you know, decisive, um, collaborative person um, that I needed to be. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've got to you got to sell yourself to your people too. <laughs> it doesn't mm. matter how you're feeling inside um, or what you <clears throat> or the conflict that you might be going through. Um, your people have still got to have belief in the leadership and and mm. understand that. Hey, look, and what I will say for right or for wrong, there's a lot of companies that are going to go through a lot of pain yet. And you know, the, the warehouse made a major announcement this morning, right? So we were very de- decisive. Um, we 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 picked it early. We went early, um, and you know, I'd, I'd sitting here. I'm. I won't say I'm happy with all of the decisions. But I'm glad we made them, yeah. Because what we did do is is we drew that line in the sand, and from that moment, we've been solely focused on building this business. Mm. Mm. It's confining in the right places. Yep. And making sure you do it in the right because there's exactly as I said, there's a time to do certain things, and you have to meet the people where they're at and what they need. Yep. Mm. I'd love to ask then for us young professionals, like this has been so rich already, but like what's some advice and some habits that you're like, okay, if we want to succeed in the long term that you just highly encourage us to really adopt? Work hard. It doesn't get easier. I'll tell you now, if you think you, I don't know, you might, but you don't get anywhere without hard work. Yeah. Right, so put your best foot forward. Put Try and surround yourself with good people. Uh, uh, look after your personal life. So, you know, make sure that you're putting not systems but processes in place that that are going to set you up. Make sure that you are, you know, look. Part of part of my success has been putting myself out there. You know, making sure that I know everyone that I need to know. Making sure that they know who I am making sure that that I'm building those relationships where it matters and I'm delivering on the services that we need to deliver on. So in that respect, you know, so I've had to spend a lot of time away from home. Mm. Now, if I didn't have a, a supportive wife and family, um, you know, I've had plenty of people that I've wanted to promote through the ranks and they're like, oh, no, I can't go away that month or I can't get here this month or whatever. Now, yep, they still have good careers and that sort of stuff, but they might not have reached the goals or or the, the heights that they could have. Um, so I guess get your get your personal life squared away as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, get your systems and processes in place as much as you can. Um, adopt technology, mm. 100%. And I say that, you know, okay, I can find my way around my calendars and, you know, LinkedIn and those things that you have to do. Um, but uh, adopt technology uh, where you can, um, and, and we do that. Um, but, yeah, just get your basic 
systems in place for how you're going to and, – and so some of that for me revolves around the gym, making sure that on the weekends I do have some time to myself doing the things that I enjoy, whether it's yeah. whatever it is. Um, so just try and keep a balance, um, but make sure that on Monday that you're front up and you're good to go and you know what you're doing that next week. Mm. You know, it's mapped out, it's planned, and then, you know, by this afternoon that'll all change. You know, so this being a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> because there's always in our game it's constant change. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, very wise advice. Like I guess I was going to ask about <coughs> pressure before. I think that you have already answered it so well. <laughs> um, um, for, um, what you've said about this leadership stuff, is there anything you'd like to add about how to work with people and also with yourself in dealing with immense pressure? Three words. Adapt, improvise, and overcome. Mm. People, uh, so my, my job now is probably about 60% people. And unfortunately, that's just it. People are people, and there'll always be other things, um, other elements. You know, everyone has a personal life. Everyone has, uh, you know, other things going in and they're going in and they're happening outside of work, right? So you do have to pay attention to that. So yeah. you've got to get in front of your people. You've got to understand, you know, what they might have going on outside of work, you know. I didn't expect to be spending all of yesterday in the emergency department at Waikato Hospital with the, you know, my father who took ill. So everyone has different things at different times in their lives. So be respectful of that, um, but you still have to manage them as well. Um, so I guess be honest with your conversations and, and be honest with your expectations. Mm. Um, and because if you are, then those people won't have, generally won't have problems following those or or meeting those. Um, so I guess, yeah, so adapt, improvise and overcome. Accept the situation for what it is now. Um, look at ways that you can change it or other elements that you can employ that um, uh, that that might create uh, better outcomes in the future, but overcome it. Yeah. Make a decision. Say, right, based on that, we're going to do this. Mm. And... And half of that, if you bring your people through correctly, half of that won't even hit your desk. You know, yeah. I, I, all of, I encourage every single person that works for my business units to to be decision makers, make a decision. Yeah, I we we have a very liberal system when it comes to pricing and people's ability to to override and 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 deal where they need to deal, mm. um, and I empower them to do that. Um, and I give them all the rope that they want and encourage people to take risks. Let them make mistakes, right? I don't mind any of my staff making a mistake. Mm. If it's the same mistake that continues, then we've got an issue and I'll deal with it. Yeah. But I don't mind if they get it wrong. You know, are they challenging themselves and will they learn out of it? Yep, have a conversation around how it was how it was wrong. Help them with, with what we might be able to put in place to... to to achieve better outcomes next time, mm. but let them empower them. Let them let them do it because the majority of people want to work hard and and want to achieve. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's so good. So adapt 
improvise and overcome and overcome no matter I guess it's that coming back to that Stockdale paradox of going never lose hope but <clears> like just push through no matter what the cost is mm. I like was that something that you found natural or was that something you had to over like overcome yourself and actually build up um <sighs> I mean, I, I have a rep. Oh, I guess I have a bit of a reputation for being a, for lack of better words, being a bit of a hard ass, right? So, um, and I actually don't see that. I, I, I make decisions. I will always make decisions for better or for worse. I'll make a decision. Mm. So it comes back to that. And if you've got all the front end right, okay, this is an acronym that you you might not be able to. Um, you might have to cut. I don't know, but I, I'm a firm believer. If you adopt the seven P's in life, right? So that's an acronym. That it's an old military thing, right? Prior preparation and planning prevents piss poor performance. Mm, yeah. Do all the work up front. Yeah. And it'll pay back. Mm. Prepare, prepare, prepare. You know, oh man, that's a problem. Okay, what are we going to do? Okay, we'll fix the problem. Okay, but do the extra bit. Go back and go, why did that problem occur? Yeah. What could we put in the front end to prevent that problem ever occur? Do that bit. Yeah. Mm. So that constant, like, I guess that's something that's not even, it seems to be so natural because it's flowing so much in your life is that constant learning. And I guess that, like, as you say, you're like, yeah, you didn't feel like you're that academic, but it would have been in sport. <laughs> exactly, it wasn't not there in sports, the thing of going, oh, we lost the hockey game or something. Why didn't we win? And does that sound something that you've seen throughout your life? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Mm. Yep, I've always gone back and, you know, you, you, get, you get something wrong, you beat yourself up for it, and you go, right, okay, accept that. Um, now, what, what can I do to prevent that happening again? Yeah. Mm. Well, is there any question <clears throat> you wished people asked you a bit more, except you're not asked it? And then, if so, like, what would be the answer to that? So, part of uh, look, I don't. Other people might look at me and say I've had a, an ounce of success. Um, I don't think that at all. Um, I think that I've worked really hard. I think that I always put my best foot forward. Mm. Um, and I think I've got a, a, a really supportive – I've surrounded myself with good people. Yeah. Surround yourself with good people, you know, and that, and that goes for your personal life too, you know. If you've got negative influences outside, you, know, you don't have to spend your time with them. It doesn't matter if they get upset, right? It really doesn't. Yeah. Right? If you upset someone, you upset someone. Um, could it have been avoided? If you can avoid it, avoid it. But sometimes you just got to have that conversation, and and then it's cleared the air and it's done, you know. Um, so, I, I I do at times I see people struggle financially through making what to put it simple dumb decisions. You know, I guess there's a lot in the position that I am now. I'm as much a mentor to my people in business. Um, but I guess I could help them outside of business too with a little bit of advice. So, mm. um, you know, I, I want all my people to be successful. Not all of them can be. Um, I want them all to work hard and be motivated and be successful. And I, I like seeing people achieve outside of work. I like mm. hearing the little stories about, hey, you know, I've, I've done this and I've done this renovation and I've, 
you know, hey, I, I flipped that on and, and made some good money here and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. And, you know, those are good success stories. Mm. Um, so not so much in, hey, I've, I've closed this deal and I've secured this account and we're, we're going to bank a whole bunch more money at the, at, you know, at the end of the month, which is great, be yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that pays the bills. And, you know, when it comes to March every year and I've got to have conversations with people about remuneration, you know, it makes it a bit easier. But, um, yeah, you know, I'll worry about next March, next year. You know, so deal with the now and and but yeah, I guess encourage your people to be open and honest with you. Yeah, you know, take mm. an interest in their lives. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a key theme actually of this podcast. I've heard is like make sure you surround yourself with good people and work outside. Where's yep. those mentors? Where's those epic friendships in industry and outside of industry? Like that's the core of sales as well as coming back to as well as planning. Make sure you're prepared. Don't rock up to a sales meeting unprepared, not knowing anything about who's the decision maker and showing the wrong guy the wrong thing. And coming back to the same same thing of going, well, adapt and learn though. Don't just take that plan as like no plan survives contact with the enemy. So there's no absolutely. And 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 look, learn from your learn from your mistakes. Mm. And case in point, um, had a meeting with a long-standing customer that had a new general manager come into the business. I knew the owners very well. I knew my product well, and and I didn't prepare. And I set up a new meeting, uh, set up a meeting with a general manager, and I th- just expected it was going to go as it's always done with the, the owners of that business, how yeah. I've always got deals across the line, and and just got torn to bits, you know. And I left that meeting, and I had a brand-new vehicle at the time and backed into a post in there, uh, you know, because I was just fuming with myself yeah, yeah. because I didn't follow my rules. Yeah. You know, I didn't plan. I didn't prepare. I didn't. I, I took things for granted. It's the only time I've done that. It's the only time I've done that. Hmm. And that was years ago. And that was, that, that was early on the piece when I came back into a middle management position in support of one of the reps. And, and, and uh, yeah. So learn learn your lessons. Mm. Yeah, you're not going to get it right all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So good. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to add? No, just you've got to have fun too. You know. So I mean, we we're not we're not the conventional business model. Um, we are a little bit loose around the fringes at times, and um, but you know, if you if you're doing if you if you're engaged with your staff, you know your staff. Um, then you know you have a fun. You you try and build or have a a happy collaborative working environment. It's not always like that. It certainly wasn't post COVID, and we're still struggling with that. You know. Yeah. You know, people left the building. People were on less income, um, and and that hurts. You know. So my challenge is getting us back to that that happy um, collaborative environment. Uh, we're getting there. We are getting there, mm. um, but uh, you know, I guess know your people, encourage them to have fun, um, and celebrate success. Yeah. So when we do have those wins, and we are starting to have some now, um, you know that we're communicating those well, and we're making sure that people are confident in their in their future, and and they're sharing in those wins. Mm. There's only two things that matter post COVID. Right or post a bad situation, mm. the first thing's the people, and the second thing is that bottom right hand number on the P and L sheet, because that dictates the future. Yeah, profit's not a swear word. 
You've got to make money. Mm. You can't take turnover to the bank. <laughs> yeah. You can only take dollars to the bank, right? Yeah. <coughs> so. Mm. Well, totally. Thank you for this rich, rich conversation, Gavin. Pleasure to have you on. Nah, happy to happy to support your efforts, Kathan. And and hey, look, if someone takes a snippet out of that that helps them in the future, then then uh, time well invested. So awesome! Thanks so much. All right, thank you. Thank you so much, Gavin, for your advice and wisdom. I found the story of failing to prepare so helpful as a reminder just to fail well. You didn't let that mistake go to waste. Now, every time I miss the mark, I remember the story and know I'll do the same. Because the truth is, listening to people's stories can turn into a highlight reel. So thank you for sharing how you've grown along the way in your journey. It's these types of moments we want to share on the Story Hub, so students and young professionals can truly learn. If you found this conversation helpful in any way and know someone who would really benefit from hearing this, why not share it with them so they can learn too? If you have any feedback, would love to hear it via Instagram at thestoryhub.nz. We're always looking to improve. I'd like to thank Cold Room, an electro pop group from Auckland, New Zealand, for letting us have their music on the podcast. If you like what you hear, check them out on Spotify. That is Cold Room is one word. Next week's episode is a bit different. This season, I'm experimenting and trying different types of conversation styles so I can bring the best conversations to you to learn and grow. My conversation next week is with Mark Irving, the first non-Kiwi-born guest in the show, born in Mittagong, New South Wales, Australia. Our conversation is a lot more story-focused than the other ones where we walk through his life so far, focusing on the key moments and parts that have really shaped him into who he is today. I had a blast recording the episode because Mark is such a brilliant storyteller. It's not every day you get to hear about a young man from rural Aussie who leaves his engineering job in a top Sydney firm to start his own building company. Not only that, Mark now lives and works in Tauranga, working for Priority One, the regional economic development agency in the Bay of Plenty. Be prepared to hear a story of a successful generalist, something that seems to go against all the advice we are given, yet Mark has done it so, so well. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys next week. Ciao pai to our team, have a great day, and for now, hide it up.